Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which features a special interview with one of my mentors, the one and only Susan Hyatt. This interview is in my mini-series about the importance of midlife mentors. And as I've said before, you never really know when you're going to meet somebody you're going to learn a lot from. Sometimes that person surprises you and you don't see them coming into your life, and that's how it was with Susan. But first, I just want to thank you for being here. I really want you to know that I seriously love that you've made time to check in with Women in the Middle and listen to this episode. I know that your time is valuable and always in short supply, and I don't ever take that for granted. I also wanted to let you know about something else I'm pretty excited about, which is a free online workshop called Game On, Fall in Love with Your 50s and Regret Proof Your Life. So stay tuned just after the interview to hear more about this. All right, let's get going. Today isn't just any episode. As I said, today's Women in the Middle podcast episode is the fourth in a mini-series I've put together for you about why mentors are unbelievably amazing and valuable in midlife. Specifically, today we're going to be talking about the ways that Susan has been a mentor to me why you need a mentor in midlife, and why it is so fulfilling to be a mentor yourself at this stage in your life. Susan and I have both committed our lives to helping women get excited about theirs. And yes, my guest today also loves helping women. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Susan Hyatt is a master certified life and business coach based in Evansville, Indiana. She specializes in helping women get more of whatever they want, whether it's more money, more media recognition, more pleasure, more passion, or more time to pursue meaningful goals. Susan is the author of two books, Create Your Own Luck and Bear. And the Bear book is available for pre-order now, and I will give you more details at the end. Her work has been featured in places like O, the Oprah magazine, Women's World, Cosmopolitan, and the Huffington Post. She's the creator of The Bear Process, a trademark system for upgrading your mental and physical health, building more energy and confidence, and creating the life you want. I can't wait for you to dive into this topic with us, so please enjoy the interview. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Oh my gosh, Susie. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, me too. I am, I am really pumped up to talk to you today about the importance of mentors in midlife. I know, um, I don't know, I just feel so strongly about this topic and you have been such an amazing mentor to me over the last two years and we haven't even met each other in person yet. That's what I love so much about this whole online thing. Oh, that means so much to me. And I know. I mean, the online, these internet streets are magical because we can be on Zoom looking at each other like we are now, but we get to meet in person soon, which I'm so stoked about. Oh, I know. Is it just two or three weeks, right? Right. Like literally like 16 days, but who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) 
I can't wait. So I'll never forget when I heard your name for the first time. It was from one of your close friends, Brooke Castillo. I was a new coach at a life coach school event in California, and your name was just mentioned here and there from Brooke, from other coaches, and I didn't know who you were. Now, I was pretty overwhelmed at the beginning of my coaching career, as you can imagine. I had been laid off after working at a job for 19 years, and I was finding my way. But mm. I was like, who, what's going on here? Like, I was a little curious. I'm like, why is everybody talking about her? But I was too <laughs> overwhelmed, so I just let it slide. But then year after year, I kept hearing your name, and I thought, that's enough. Who is this Susan Hyatt? <laughs> Boy, did you find out. <laughs> I did. So I actually put it in my calendar, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to find out who she is. So I went to your website. I started following and stalking you to get into your world and see what you were all about. And then I finally took a course called Clear Coaches. And that was it. I couldn't get enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited to know this backstory. I know. Little, see, this is what's so beautiful about uh, the impact that you can have when you don't even know people that you're having an impact on. Um, and since then, I have to tell you, I've learned so much and I am thrilled to have this chance to have you on Women in the Middle. I really, really am. Uh, that means a lot to me. And I think that for people listening to this, it, you just gave such a great point that we can become connected in, in deep and meaningful ways online that's very different than off offline mentorship, like in your actual, if, if, for example, you're listening and you work in an office building and maybe you have a mentor in the next cubicle, um, this can happen online as well. And so I'm delighted. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it really removes barriers in terms of just everything, like your workday, location, mm -hmm. uh, and just connecting with amazing people all over the place anytime. It's, it's amazing. So one of the main reasons, though, I couldn't get enough of you was because you have a huge strength in an area that I have a weakness. Mm. And I was absolutely fascinated by the way that you totally owned celebrating your femininity while being a bit of a badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I don't see that as a weakness in you. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't know me that well. <laughs> So I guess, um, I don't know what's happened. You know, now that you say that, that's so funny. I'm just thinking about your impression of me. And the first thing that comes to mind is I have three sons. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in a family of a male dog, uh, three young men, man children, and my husband. I have a girl bird. But basically... Oh. What's your bird's name? I've got to know the girl name. For the bird. Dee Dee. It's Dee Dee the Quaker Parrot. She is a YouTube <laughs> sensation. She has over 100,000 hits. <laughs> You're kidding. So Dee Dee and Susie are holding down the fort. All we right. are. We are squawking up a storm. <laughs> In fact, when the, when the, I know some listeners have heard her um, tweet or something while I'm recording sometimes. So right before you hopped on, I remembered that I needed to move her and put her in a different cage. Because she gets very excited when she hears me talking. Oh, she likes, right. She likes to chime <laughs> in. So, um, yeah, so I think having all those sons and being immersed in the land of men, mm -hmm. uh, I really, not that I was ever, I don't know, super feminine, but I, I really do feel like I squelched it down. And 
One of the, I guess there's two reasons. Like I'm really thinking about this on the fly. One is because I've become aware of expenses. You know, the simple fact that a, a guy's haircut is 20 bucks and a girl's haircut is whatever, cut in color. <laughs> it might be, oh, yeah. who knows what, right? Right. And uh, so things like that, I became very aware of it, self-conscious of it. And I guess the other thing is always a time factor because we're always... I don't know. No one seems to care about arriving anyplace on time in my family. And it's always been something I start getting upset about. And so I always feel that to get everybody, you know, over the years to, to help them get ready on time, I just never had time to, you know, focus on anything extra like that. So it really does feel like it's been squelched right out of me. And, <laughs> I under, I, okay, I got you. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I, I wondered if you could talk about this combination of femininity and uh, being, you know, a badass in the best possible way. Like when I first noticed um, this about you, I found it a bit surprising. And I didn't think that women who enjoyed drinking tea from a fancy teacup and loved makeup, designer bags, dressing up now and then could be equally comfortable in the land of badassery. <laughs> So how did you how did you develop this part of your personality where both live very happily together? So by bad assery, do you mean because I want to make sure I understand what you mean? Do you <laughs> mean like business savvy, um, like mouthy? Like what is bad assery to you? It's really it's so funny because I used to think I was a badass, and now I really don't anymore. But I, I recognize some kind of a quality that mm -hmm. other people have that I don't. So it doesn't mean that I'm less than. It's just mm -hmm. that I, I just come, I think I'm more comfortable being more of a, like a cheerleader. Mm. I guess when I'm thinking about badassery, it's, yeah, it's being edgy. It's being mm. uh, like, you don't seem to second guess what you say in the way that I do. Mm. Um, and you're just out there super confident in what you do with a bit of an edge okay. and it comes across in in business mm -hmm. and it comes across in your passion for self-love body love all that kind of work and it really came across with make a scene your focus mm -hmm. on make a scenes so could you talk a little bit about that because sure. it seems like everything fits together beautifully in your world well, I think part of it goes way back to, um, actually, when I was a kid, I was a tomboy um, until I was about, I don't know, maybe 10 years old. Like, some of my favorite photos of me, I'll have to dig some up for you, are me, like, covered in grease with a rag tucked into my jeans because my grandfather lived next door and he was a machinist and he had this huge garage with all this stuff. So, I would, like, go play by, like, getting greasy and, like, doing stuff and climbing trees and my cousins that were my age were all boys. And as I grew older, I started to really appreciate the fact that I could be gritty and scrappy and wear heels or, and, you know, carry my little clutch around or whatever it might be. And I think when I went through college, I minored in women's studies. And one, my major was political science. My minor was women's studies. And one of the things that I started to realize was that the feminine in culture was feared, was downplayed, was squelched in many different ways. And I really 
made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to sacrifice um, embodying, like you've described, being a woman. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna play the boys game and become a male version of myself that I was going to show up in the boardroom as a young woman full of emotion and they were just going to have to get over it. (laughs) So there have been many points in my career prior to becoming a life coach where I was the only woman in the room and I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm mad. I cry when I'm excited and Everyone not knowing what to do with that, but I started to realize that it was a strength and not a weakness very early on. And so over the course of becoming a mom and reinventing myself many different times, I've just come more fully into that. Um, And so I think it's interesting, right, that I've always been this dichotomy seemingly or this contrast, this walking contradiction of talking about health but also drinking several cups of caffeinated tea and coffee a day, right? And um, talking about weight loss or body love while at the same time eating bacon every morning for breakfast and like saying, so what? Um, So I think that it's more of a commitment to fully, I I joke and say fly your freak flag and make a scene, right? Like fully... fly that freak flag because that's what people remember and that's what makes you special. But we're taught growing up to like calm that down, tone that down, especially women don't make a scene. And I'm just, my biggest mission is to squash all that. Oh my God. I love that. I love that it goes way back uh, Mm -hmm. that you can, you actually have memories of the dichotomy Mm -hmm. and that, uh, that you made a commitment to yourself about it. Cause with me, I don't remember making a commitment about it. And I, I remember uh, when, I got, when I came to Canada, I'm a dual citizen. And when I came to Canada, it was 1984. I minored in political studies. And I remember sitting at the front row of an American politics class in 1984 at the University of Guelph. Maybe it was 83, <laughs> <laughs> January 83. And somebody told me that I had a lot of moxie as if ah. it were as if it were a bad thing. <gasps> really? Canadian, different, right? And I was in an American course and I just thought, that's interesting. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know what to do about that. And then, you know, after, uh, there is a subtle difference between Canadians and Americans, uh, yeah. and I think on this topic. And I guess um, I'm, now I'm reflecting of uh, being, uh, I was at an addiction and mental health hospital uh, for, in a publishing department for 19 years. And so it was a corporate culture, um, mm-hmm. even though it was public sector-ish. And I guess um, I remember we used to say, die before cry. <gasps> Stop it. That was a saying? We said that. Now, I don't remember. Now that I'm thinking about it, it may not have been that job. It may have been another job before that. But it was common that we as women never uh-huh. wanted to cry right. um, in a meeting. Um, yep. You know, even, even when I got laid off, I, I felt so many things, but that thought popped into my head. I'm like, I think this is a gift and don't lose your shit. Just leave the building. <laughs> don't lose your shit <laughs> because whatever it is, there's a lot of emotions going on. 
So yeah, it's so interesting that I, I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm becoming much more aware as a midlife woman and being much more comfortable with who I am now right. than in those formative years. And I certainly wasn't intentional about it the way you're talking about. So it's just really fascinating. But when I started like stalking you and becoming part of your world, <laughs> I really noticed it. I'm like, oh my God, she's drinking tea out of a fancy teacup. And she's saying, fuck, so interesting. <laughs> it really, it really is funny. Like along those lines, I work out at, at a gym multiple times a week with a trainer and I am somebody like, I can't be bothered with fancy coffee, travel coffee mugs, like that make sense that are convenient. And so I will take my fancy cup full of coffee in the car which is not smart. I With no lid? No, no lid. lid. No lid. <laughs> and, I, you know, 6 a.m. walking into the gym, sometimes forgetting, with my fancy teacup, people are looking at me like, what is happening? You have on a t-shirt that says something like, you know, no pain, no gain, and you're drinking coffee out of this china. Like, what is wrong with you? But I do think that, it's like, I like what I like, and, and I want all women, like, embrace what you like. I mean, fancy teacups and fancy purses and makeup and all that stuff might not be your jam, but whatever it is, embrace it and stop apologizing for it and stop trying to, you know, conform to whatever societal or cultural thing you think is going to make you more acceptable to everybody else. That's it, exactly. And, you know, you just reminded me of something... <laughs> I didn't even have it in my notes here, but sometime last year, you were very excited about a special bag that you... Oh, I yes. I don't know if you purchased it. You like unwrapped it on Facebook Live. <laughs> and I, I thought, what is she doing? But I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> oh, God. I am so ridiculous. So this is... This is what everyone listening needs to know. If you have teenagers, then maybe you've heard the phrase hashtag extra or extra AF. I actually celebrate that. Extra means like over the top, a little ridiculous. Um, I honestly was shamed for that um, within my family of origin. It's sort of like eye roll. Oh, here she comes. Like she has a hat on or she's whatever. Why is she so dressed up or, you know, whatever, whatever. And so, yes, for my birthday, I bought myself a very fancy bag. And when it arrived in the mail, I was so excited. I was like, oh, I have to do a Facebook Live and unwrap it in front of everyone because this moment needs to be documented. It's ridiculous, but that's part of how I am. Okay, but you influenced me because I didn't have a designer bag. I'm 55. And... For me, you know, you have to make very, all of us have to make very careful decisions about how we spend money. And, you know, in, in my little saying in my house is I'm in a 1963 Brady Bunch kind of house mm -hmm. and we've renovated the kitchen and the flooring on the first floor, but the bathrooms mm -hmm. are original. Like I can see grass, what's it called? Grass paper, wallpaper is all around here. That has <laughs> come back. Susie, that's back in style. Look at you. <laughs> it's so Brady Bunch, but. Um, anyway, so I always say that things have to be, they can't just be ugly to hit the top of the 
renovation list, it has to be ugly and broken. So mm -hmm. if the bathroom is hallucious and has weird tiles and it's just ugh, um, and it's falling through the ceiling, then you could totally renovate it. Then it gets to the top of the list. So when it came to purses, I could never justify a beautiful bag. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in my family of, you know, man children and my husband who, who can't stand to wear anything other than like nothing extra. <laughs> Zero extra. So um, I, I don't know. I just could never justify it. And then I started traveling a lot as part of coaching. Mm -hmm. And I teach at the life coach school. I'm traveling back and forth. And I'm just traveling more than I ever have before. And you know what? I didn't have an appropriate bag to take on the airplane that fit my iPad and fit all my chargers and fit my headphones. And I didn't want a backpack. And I just thought to myself, huh. <laughs> It might be time. I wonder. So I started looking and I was shocked at all the prices. And then the tragedy with Kate Spade happened. And I was always attracted to her work, but could never just justify it. So I went online at, just in the middle of, you know, the day. I just thought, well, I wonder, let me just see. I've never been on her website in a million years. There was a 70% off sale. <gasps> Fate. So you know I bought one and it was beautiful. <laughs> And I thought of you the whole time, and it came in the most beautiful box. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could not believe what was happening with this bag, and I'm, hot, I'm just so, it's amazing. I've traveled with it now. It is highly functional, so beautiful. It gives me pleasure every single time I opened a zipper and dug around to get something. I was so afraid of one of my lipsticks opening that I put the, the lipstick in a Ziploc bag inside the bag because I had a mishap with a lipstick last year. Anyway, so it's just, I, I did feel shame. Uh, mm. Definitely, now that you use the word shame about femininity, I yeah. definitely felt shame in my family. And, and not that they're doing anything on purpose, but they right. roll their eyes and they don't justify the same sort of things. And right. you know, everybody's standards are different. But yeah. So I, I love that dichotomy with you, and it, I noticed it so strongly when I started to hang out in your world. So thank you so much for just being you, and you thought about it a few decades ago, and now I'm benefiting from that. That's so <laughs> awesome. I love that you made your purse purchase. And, you know, listen, my mom is she makes so much fun of me about my bags. She'll, she'll start calculating like how many bags from Target she could buy. Right. With, like, the Kate Spade purchase or whatever my purchase might be. And for any of you listening who feel that way, like I totally get that shoes and purses and all those things might not be your jam, but maybe it's travel or maybe it's an investment in something else that you've put on the back burner because your whole life you've been told a certain story about it. And if you have that craving, midlife is the perfect time. Like, come on, like it's prime time. Like get your purse, get your shoes, get your trip, whatever it is, go get it. Exactly. Just want what you want, which is yeah. such an important lesson that you just have to justify it to yourself. Just mm -hmm. allow yourself to want it. So thank you for that. Now, one of the other things I learned from you was the importance of pleasure. Mm. And it's certainly something that busy, working, midlife moms can easily never get to. It's never on the top of the list. Um, and it's been on the bottom of the list for probably 20 years for most <laughs> midlife women. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with um, body love. So mm -hmm. those two messages are more really important messages, part of your work. 
Um, and with, with midlife, I find the whole body love thing so interesting because the body is changing so much at our yeah. age. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's so many things to love. <laughs> yeah, there are. So why do you think it's so important to acknowledge pleasure and to finally get over yourself and love your body, that sort of thing at our age? Well, they go hand in hand. So you're right. Most women are not at all devoted to much less thinking about their daily pleasure. And when we even say pleasure, the mind tends to go to things like sex. Um, And yes, intimacy is part of that, but there's so many forms of pleasure. And and in my work with Bear, which is the body love work that I do, um, I started studying the work of Mark David. And Mark has a book called The Slow Down Diet, which is not a diet at all. But in the research that he compiled for that book, he talks about the fact that the body is actually wired for pleasure. And when we deny ourselves pleasure on a regular basis, our bodies do not function properly. And so for women in particular, like you said, because most women have spent decades caring about other people, children, spouses, partners, the community at large, anything before ourselves, um, the idea that a woman would be devoted to her pleasure is quite radical. And and what is absolutely necessary to learn how to love the skin that you're in. And so it became really important to me. um, I mean, in my career as a life coach, I started out as a weight loss coach. Well, I was a coach for about nine months, went on my own weight loss journey, started coaching other women around issues with food and body. And my daughter, when she hit the fourth grade, came home from school and said that every, she was 10, said that every girl at the cafeteria table was on a diet. And she had heard me talking and ranting about women's issues long enough to know that in our house, dieting was a no-no. Um, and she was very confused by it. And in that moment, I was like, you know what, I need to really go all in on this and devote much more time to talking about self-love and pleasure, um, as opposed to just weight loss, which is nothing wrong with talking about weight loss. But I realized that my place in the conversation was really about helping women, whether they lost weight or not, aging or not, um, figure out how to access self-love. And that was the deeper work that I started doing. Weight loss is a really happy byproduct of it, but shrinking our bodies and taking up less space, think about it. Women, by the time I'm 45, you're 55, but by the time a woman is my age, she's been on 60 plus diets and has dieted over 30 years of her life. Wow. All right. So... You imagine those girls at that cafeteria table at age 10, which they've learned about dieting from somewhere, probably their mamas, sisters, Instagram. Um, If someone starts dieting at the age of 10, by the time they hit midlife, their entire lives they've been submerged in diet culture and have been taught that it's part of their job to figure out how to shrink their bodies. And the impact that that has on a woman's life I mean, think about it. Everybody listening, if you could no longer 
spend any of your mental energy trying to lose weight or change something about your body, think about how much extra time and energy you would have. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's really why I'm so devoted to it because I see it as the greatest distraction in a woman's life from her greatness. You know, it's so powerful when you talked about shrinking space. Mm-hmm. Like that, re- I have never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really so much in line with this message of minimizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really something. Very yeah. powerful stuff, Susan Hyatt. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. We're, we're changing the world up in here. I think so. Okay, so there's something else I've noticed about you that I really learned from. And I, um, I noticed it as being brave. Like, you are authentically you in what I consider a really brave way. And it became um, obvious to me, first, the way you were a little edgy in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, you're a little edgy, the way you talk about things and you, call, you just call it for what it is. And sometimes you even talked about um, politics to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't seen anybody else in the coachy world doing that. And I was taught um, to separate, like <laughs> being a good American girl growing up, you separate church and state. And so I just, I don't know, I just thought uh, I was taught with Facebook, keep politics off your Facebook page, stay mm-hmm. neutral, stay neutral. And you know, um, it was just really interesting to me. And there you were being uh, what I considered authentic, brave, edgy, just saying your shit, you know, and not worrying about your haters. You just put your authenticity first. And I wondered why, why did you think it was super important to do that? And um, yeah, did, did, was it a conscious decision too? Or, or did it, yeah, what happened with that? It's fascinating to me. Well, a couple of different things. Um, I was raised the same way. You didn't publicly talk about money, politics, or religion. And in the beginning of us old people being allowed on the Facebook, right? It's only (laughs) been, it's been, what, 10 years, maybe. Before that, it was MySpace, which cracks me up. Um, The Facebook, my kids make fun of me. Between that and the TV remote, oh, my God. All right. The Facebook. And the remote. They let, us, they let us old people have access to the Facebook. And um, for a long time, I would talk about women's issues, but I never felt the need to talk about politics, even though as a political science major, I've always had lots of opinions about American politics. I, my husband and I have been married 25 years, together 27 years, and he and I have been on opposite sides of the political spectrum our entire lives, both of us considered ourselves mostly moderate within our parties. One of us, Democrat, me, uh, he, a Republican, until the 2000, well, really with Obama, but uh, when the 2016 election rolled around, anybody listening to this knows American politics have become extraordinarily polarizing. And there were certain things happening in the political arena that I felt so and still feel so passionate about that I couldn't not say what I thought 
because I feel like it affects a woman's life. Every, all of these decisions, everything happening has a dramatic effect on our lives. And I think about my children who are 20 and 18 now and the rights that they enjoy and the threat to those rights are what made me think, you know what, I'm probably going to alienate some clients and customers and I was willing to take that chance because it felt so important to me to speak out because I consider what's on the line so critical to our lives that I was just willing to take that hit. And, and I did. I mean, there were people who I actually had a woman who had just signed up for my mastermind. And at that time, my mastermind was $35,000 and she had paid in full and asked for a full refund because mm-hmm. she didn't like how I was handling myself over the election. And I within 30 minutes, gave her her money back and said, you are really correct. We probably won't be getting along um, over the next year if you have a problem with me voicing what I think. And so on the other hand, I think so many people have appreciated what I've had to say. So it's a, a real lesson in business of speaking to who your ideal clients are and trusting that that will always win. Like being yourself, saying what you think, if people have a problem with it in business, and I recognize, I mean, I'm not a pizza parlor, right? Like I have the kind of business where talking about these things makes sense. If I'm, you know, any kind of brick and mortar business that has nothing to do. I mean, although you could look at Pinsy Spices. Have you seen those guys? Oh, yes. I don't know what they're doing, but I've ordered them. Right. Pinsy Spices right? They came out hard on it and their business has shot through the roof and you can look at Nike, right? Everybody was like setting their Nikes on fire, um, but their business is booming and up. And so I do think that it's a different day in business, right? We we were taught, don't talk about politics, but I think that that was a time when people were much more moderate and now there's such a line in the sand and it's, I'm not writing people off. I'm not saying people who think differently than me, like, you know, you, you can't come here. I'm just saying, like, if you want to come around, great. But what you're going to see is me unfiltered talking about these things. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying you're a bad person. And I'm not saying, like, you're going to H-E double hockey sticks. And I'm not saying, like, you're a worthless human being. I'm saying this is what I think and I'm not quiet about it. Therefore, you may not enjoy the atmosphere here. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's a really good way to put it. And you know, with coaching, so much of what we do is a fit. There is the uh the art of coaching and there are the skills that you bring too, but it, a lot of it does have to do with fit and you definitely want um to build a community that Mm-hmm. That's a fit. So that's a great story. And thank you so much for giving me the background on that. It's, it is really interesting. So um, I feel so strongly about the importance of having a midlife mentor and also of being a mentor in midlife. And it's pretty obvious to understand why it makes sense to have a mentor. Uh, but the thing is, in midlife, it's not as natural as it is when we're younger, when we're in our mm-hmm. 20s. And mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just, you don't even know where to find a mentor. And sometimes you need a mentor. Sometimes you don't even know you need a mentor. Sometimes you find one when you're not looking. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to meet them. It can be somebody in a book. There's just so much going on with the, I think, the importance of having a a midlife mentor. But also what I've really started to notice is that midlife women uh, so many of us are looking for something that's missing, mm-hmm. and there's some kind of a fulfillment, uh, this feeling that people are looking for that they're not, uh, that they don't have, it's missing. And what I've noticed is that when you are a midlife mentor, when you make it a priority as an older and wiser woman to share, to mentor, it is so fulfilling. Like it seems to me to be the missing the missing link, but so many women don't even realize that they have so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Which is so surprising to me. So what, uh, what have you seen with this sort of thing? Like you have a huge reach. Um, you didn't know how much you affected me here. I'm sitting in Toronto. Um, and you've been a mentor to so many students, clients, podcast listeners around the, listeners around the world, people you've never met. What, what are your thoughts about being a mentor and finding mentors at our age. Oh, I love that you brought this up. It, I believe it's super important. I think women helping women and having an attitude of lifting one another up is huge. And I, in my life, have had many amazing female mentors. I know we're talking about midlife, but I always, as a young working professional, was fortunate enough to have female mentors who took me under their wing and created this attitude within me very early on that like, hey, like we look out for each other, we help each other grow. Um, In my 20s, I had this amazing mentor named Debbie Gatto. And she honestly was the one we worked at this PR firm. And there was a company that owned six radio stations in our town that was like a client of ours who was looking for a marketing director. And she was the one that (laughs) she was like, you need to get out of here. Like you're too good for this role. Like you need to apply for this and go and I'll give you a reference. And I remember being like, what are you trying to get rid of me? And she was like, no, like uh, I'm looking out for you. And she did. I got that job. It was a great opportunity. And I think about that all the time, that there are lots of people who talk about how terrible women in business are and how terrible it is to work with women. And I have all my life had the opposite experience. Therefore, I feel very passionate about giving back, which is why I create so much free stuff and am constantly like trying to give people business advice and life advice that makes sense for them. And in my life coaching business, I know a former guest of yours and a mentor of yours, Brooke Castillo, was also a very early on my career. At the moment my career began, she was my mentor. And she has given me like, I think you never know, like I had no idea that me being like, hashtag extra (laughs) would affect you in the way that it affected you. And there are things that she said to me along the way that she's like, really, that meant that much to you? But I remember I had so much struggle, um, mental anguish, raising Ferris Bueller, a.k.a. Ryan Hyatt. <laughs> and I can't remember what he had done that day, but I, the principal had me on speed dial. And 
I remember I was on a coaching call with her and I went on and on and on about this awful scenario. I can't, you know, whatever. He was sent home from school for something. And she said, and look at you still being awesome and running your business and doing everything that you do. That's amazing. And I remember being like, you know what? <laughs> That's right. Like, I'm not going to let this suck me under. And it really created this attitude. Every time he would do something, I would hear her say, and look at you still being awesome. And it helped me separate, for all of you who are parents, it helped me separate whatever was happening with him from what my work was that day. Because I was very prone to getting sidetracked by kids' shenanigans. <laughs> and so I think that it's like you never know what it is that you're going to do that's going to impact somebody in that way. But just having that attitude of serving and wanting to help women advance in whatever way that it is, is so necessary. I couldn't agree more. It's just, it's like in midlife, I see a giant spotlight on this topic. Mm -hmm. And I know, I think it's important at every stage of your life, but uh, for midlife, I think because it's such a critical time of transition, and it's also a time where, where women start to uh, really, unfortunately, think about what they can't do rather than oh. what they can do, Yeah. right? And that's actually the motivation for the new mastermind that I'm just launching this week called mm -hmm. 50 Unplugged Mastermind, and it's all about unplugging from the stigma and stereotype about what you can't do. It's not about not using your iPhone. It's about right. unplugging from that crap, that, that crappy thinking, all those limiting beliefs and ideas about possibility and really shifting into this um, focus of opportunity. And mm. um, yeah, I think women, we need to help each other with this. Absolutely. Oh my well, goodness. Totally. Like think about how many times a day you hear a woman in midlife saying that they're old, that it's too late, that they can't do what they used to do, that blah, yada, 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 yada. It's not the season for that. And it's like, this is prime time. I don't know what you're talking about. Like this is the best time to launch a business, to run a triathlon, to do whatever it is. Agree. Agree. But yeah, it's a message that people have difficulty with. Uh, many, not everyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's certainly a message in, in the Women in the Middle podcast community. Um, so Susan, I am excited about your new book. So can you talk a little bit about your new book? Yeah. So you can pre-order it now, but it actually is hitting um, bookstores in the middle of February. But the official bookstore date is March 5th. But I happen to know that if you pre-order it, you'll get it mid-February. Uh, it's called Bear, B-A-R-E. And it's basically about what we were talking about earlier. It's a seven-step process to love the skin that you're in and feel amazing and kick it into high gear. Um, I'm super proud of it. It took me a couple of years to write. Um, it was a long, arduous process to get an agent and get a book deal and all that finally happened. And just yesterday... We finished all, the entire editing process. The book is done. The cover's done. It's just like waiting to arrive via Amazon in your hands. Wow. So I'm going to have uh, all of the information in the show notes about how to get it, but you could just go to Amazon and just mm -hmm. uh, look up Susan Hyatt, or you can just look up Bear, B-A-R-E. 
I'm so excited. I already have your book on pre-order and I can't wait for it to arrive. Thank you, Susie. I'm so excited about that and I appreciate your order. Absolutely. And you know, I am just tickled about um, being able to go to your event, especially for life coaches in a couple of weeks in Chicago. And I have, I, it's the first time in my life that I got an airplane voucher and I'm actually able to use it for a free flight. Oh my God, I'm using a voucher for my ticket too. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. So I can't wait to give you a hug in person. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to it. I I, uh, can't thank you enough for being my guest today and quite honestly for helping me change my life by being kinder to myself, appreciate my feminine side a bit more, and push to continue to be more authentically me in business, even though it makes me squirm sometimes and being a little vulnerable. And I know I'm able to help women in the middle even more and in a deeper way as a result of your influence. I totally love being in your community. And it just means so much that you've shared your insights with the Women in the Middle podcast. And like I said, I just can't, I just can't wait to meet you in a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for everything. Uh, Thank you, Susie. It has been a delight and I can't wait to pinch your booty in person. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! That's it for this episode. I think you'll agree about the importance of women helping women. And for sure, Susan Hyatt has made a huge contribution in this area. I'm super grateful to have met her and have had her influence my life. Now, I haven't met her in person yet, but that is coming soon. The whole topic is certainly something we've been talking about here on the Women in the Middle podcast. Midlife is such an amazing time for opportunity, but So many women in the middle don't see it that way. And that is why I'm super excited to tell you about a new free online workshop I am offering called Game On, Fall in Love with Your 50s and Regret Proof Your Life. You'll be learning a step-by-step strategy to get excited about how you're going to spend your valuable time on the planet, unplug from the way you think about what you can't do at your age, and finally give back to yourself so you don't have regrets. Pretty cool, right? My message is that your 50s don't have to suck and you don't have to be stuck. (laughs) Just think about it. What if this decade was even better than your last decade or that you were excited about all of the opportunities you had? If you were clear about your most important priorities, if you never felt like you were searching for more meaning, if you were sure you wouldn't have regrets, if you absolutely loved your life. That's what I'm talking about. So like I said, it's a free online workshop. So go ahead and sign up for it, right? Just go to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash 50UP. That's 50UP, like up. Tell your friends too. It's pretty cool. Now, if you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one amazing opportunity at a time. Thanks so much for listening.